I'm Taffer. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. Before we get started, we'd like to take some time, uh, especially this weekend, which in Canada is Thanksgiving weekend, to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. If you are a settler, we encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Obviously, this is very relevant on Thanksgiving weekend when we kind of tell a myth that when Europeans uh, came to North America, it was all very friendly and, you know, mutual. Um <laughs> Oh, like I'm, 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 I'm rolling my eyes from home, but that's because I am black and people like to say that the Africans got on the ship without any struggle. So, uh, permit me to say a hearty, um, middle finger, um, to those who still, who have not opened their eyes yet. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling feisty. My my third eye is wide open today. Let's do it. Yep. So this week we're continuing with our witch-themed October, and we're talking about The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. We had a whole list of witch books for October, and I kind of, I mean, I didn't randomly select books, but all the books were very good. Um, and, and I kind of just went with books that literally had witch in the title. It was sort of like, we're going to get our parameters very tight here. And what I've really enjoyed is that actually all three of the books that we're reading this month are totally different. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, that's, that is a pretty neat aspect. Do you want to give us a rundown of the story, Taffer? Yes. Uh, I forgot to do that last week until several minutes into the episode. So thank you for reminding me right (laughs) off the bat. Teamwork. Um, (laughs) The Year of the Witching is the story of Emmanuel, a young girl who lives in the lands of Bethel, which is a, I'm gonna say that it's North American. It feels North American. I'm trying to, I'm like struggling to know what to call it. It's it's like, it's a cult. It's a cult. And it doesn't really have fantasy elements before the book starts it has religious elements so I'm gonna say it's not a fantasy world I'm gonna say it's it's just like a normal world wow I'm really getting off to a strong start aren't I she lives in a community (laughs) called called Bethel it is a cult Uh, it is a religious cult that while not explicitly Christian feels Christian but also has some kind of heavy pagan influence as Christianity does then she starts to experience stirrings shall we say and then a whole bunch of plagues come down on the community and I don't even know how to synopsize this because it is wild it is a journey but I really really liked it 
I'm really glad to hear that. Um, I feel I have lukewarm feelings mm -hmm. about this book. Um, not for any other reason than sometimes a book just doesn't reach into your into your 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 chest system mm -hmm. and rip your heart out and like like dance around throwing it in the air kind of thing. I, I, I there are definitely some elements of this book that I liked, um, but. As you were struggling to synopsize it, I think the biggest issue that I had with this book came to light. It's the fact that we don't have enough information about the world they live in. And I got frustrated. That first hundred pages was a bit of a slog for me um, because I was just, I kept trying to place it. Um, I hadn't uh, read up on the book. I wanted to come into this one fresh because I am a notorious chicken um, <laughs> and I didn't want to scare myself out, basically. <laughs> um, but the truth of the matter is that I, f I spent the first hundred pages trying to figure out where this lived in my head. Like, I have to imagine the universe to be able to fully dive in. And it looked half like the village but it was also half like Pee Wee's like neighborhood um, at the same time because I didn't like I was I was sort of unsure which foot to to sort of stand on with okay. it in terms of environment. That's so interesting to me because you texted me I think around that mark and we're just like, mm -hmm. Oof. Um, and I and and I think what I said was I'm enjoying the fever dream of it, but. It's interesting to hear you say that because for me, I had a real image of the village kind of from the beginning, not necessarily with like where it is exactly or anything, but I I had like a very clear image in my head of what things looked like. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe because of that, I didn't have the same trouble. And I wonder if that's like for me, this feels very much like Puritan recountings of the witch trials. Um, and of the like Puritan communities and I really enjoy historical fiction from that era um, and I've read a lot of historical fiction from that era and I've also like gone to like Plymouth Plantation and like Upper Canada Village and stuff and so for me it really lived in that environment it was very much a sort of wooden buildings and fields and the church uh yeah, I, I I got an idea of that as I was reading it too. Mm -hmm. I sort of went like, "Who? I feel like Teffer might know this universe a bit more than I do." Mm -hmm. um, for like, I mean, we've had these conversations in in episodes past as uh, past as well, but there is definitely, I think, a funny side to that because the author is Southern. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I kept imagining puritanical, like, the images of, like, puritanical village, um, which is not something I'm 100% comfortable with, but whatever. But I kept reading it with a southern drawl. Mm -hmm. But, like, with a silly southern drawl, almost. So, like, it sounded like, um, like, 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 most of my favorite, po like my favorite podcast hosts, like Tracy Clayton, um, Nicole Perkins, like these like Southern country kind of folks who who 
who drag their 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 speech a little bit, which I found really funny in a puritanical environment, which like I have seen the scarlet letter, I think. Yes. Um, you know, it's very concise. It's very, very, very British, very like stiff upper lip, very, very emotionless, very, whereas my, like the, 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 I guess all of everything that I've incorporated about this, about folks in the South is very, uh, there's something much warmer there and something like there's a bit of that Latin, sexiness in there you know what I mean like there's something a bit more a bit more mobile a bit more fluid a bit less less rigid um and and maybe maybe those are the little things that really knocked me off because the actual story I found really cool mm-hmm. folks there's plagues in this book so many legit plagues, plagues. Now, I'm so curious because I certainly associate Puritans and witch trials with New England. I think, like, the Scarlet Letter is New England, Witch of Blackbird mm-hmm. Pond, which we did a year ago, is New England. Mm-hmm. A lot of, <laughs> and I mean, obviously, Salem is in New England, which is where these narratives center. But I'm really curious now about Puritan settlements further south because I know at least, like, Jamestown had happened at that point in Virginia. I'm sure some of the. I mean, they were essentially religious refugees, whatever they did in their settlements afterwards. I'm sure some of them were in the South, but I don't actually know anything about that. I do know that the author, Alexis Henderson, is from Savannah, Georgia, Mm. and now lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, So she probably knows. (laughs) Maybe it's about the sentence structure. Like, I think it might just be something about that. Like, because the, the, the actual text doesn't, like, doesn't have any elements that would, would that would denote mm-hmm. that that there's a southern flair to it um but maybe also this is a cool way to get to know the author a little mm-hmm. bit also right it's her first novel um so there is something interesting in discovering her way of writing and and i am definitely like if she releases another book i'm in yeah. i'm 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 jumping in i want to i want to feel it i want to see what comes of it because this is also a feminist tale yeah and there is a lot of um, there's a lot of reflection that was woven into this story about how to tell the story of already like Emmanuel is a, 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 a hyper oppressed person in the sense that um, she is female in mm-hmm. a religious cult, uh, but she is also biracial. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't a hundred percent love the way that like she is othered sort of in the very beginning when when we start learning about you know her being so so different and all right. that because I don't think that like if you think about it too much I don't think that she would have ever been able to live in that actual village uh, where purity is 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 everything and all that but but yeah so there's a lot of research about feminism so this character is super oppressed and uh, the prophet is like this like super oppressive patriarchal like just like figure let's like like the prophet is the man Right. And there's throughout, you know, throughout the plagues and and because this book has only been out for a few months, I don't think it's it would be cool for us to spoil it. Um, But throughout the plagues, like you sort of see all of these like feminist theories kind of laying themselves out. 
um, and and the idea of considering intersectionality and all that. And I thought that that was really that was really neat. Mm-hmm. There's something I really love about the way this universe is built, and that's uh, the way the faith structure works, mm. because the feel is very Puritan, um, and the the othering is very very Puritan. Uh, I do wish that the um, the conversation about race in this community was a little bit more developed. Uh, Mm -hmm. because I felt that sometimes I was just kind of making assumptions about how it worked because she alluded to it but never really spelled out exactly how that had come to be. Though I do think mystery is a big part of of this book and I'll say more about that later. But one thing I really appreciate, it starts off with the religion sounding very uh, Christian or maybe Mormon. There's a prophet who had visions and established Mm -hmm. the colony a long time ago. Um... And they talk about the Holy Father and they talk about the prophet. Uh, the scriptures that are cited are not the Bible, but like sound biblical. And the the names are biblical names. So Lilith, Jael, uh, Mercy, Delilah, uh, Emmanuel, Ezra. Um, but as we come to understand the way the faith system works it's really kind of a binary light and dark father and mother system and this particular cult is the cult of the father Mm -hmm. Um, and that I find really interesting this kind of nod to there being a much broader theological conversation which is something that I, I feel like we don't often see but as somebody who grew up in a small sect of Christianity and then sort of slowly found the whole tapestry of Christianity globally and how it interacts with other faiths. And um, I found that very, very real, very telling. And I really appreciated that she didn't try to create this very simple, very closed theological system, which I think often... One of the things that will bother me sometimes when I'm reading historical fiction is that there will be this real simplification of how, like, even just Puritan Christianity worked. And I, I feel like she, in inventing this new religion, was super aware of all the nuance uh, that exists in religious systems and, and did that really, really well. Yes, I think that um, I, I think you said that masterfully. Um, it really is a cool a cool tale where mystery remains. And I think that that's why I also like the vibe of this book. I know it's a strange thing to to talk about, but like the mood in general is full of mystery. And, and hearing you say that about like a puritanical society and how much has to remain unsaid, mm-hmm. it is interesting to, to consider how much, how much the author is actually left unsaid and leaves us to do some of the work and especially when it comes to religious um to 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 a a fictitious religious context it is particular it's funny because it also depends on our points of reference because um i grew up in a family that uh is culturally muslim and to me some of that could have also been tied to that as well, mm. um, which is why I think I was. I'm, I'm a little. I'm harping a little bit on the 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 wish for more world um, creation, um, 
So, yeah, but maybe there's also something about, like, maybe there's a lot of mystery as well in the characters, I find, in their, 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 like, I mean, we don't get a ton of character development very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you gotta be, you gotta settle in for the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may have been left a little bit wanting um, surrounding Emmanuel. Um, cause there are moments where there's moments where she, she definitely like, you can feel how the character's being used to, 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 to promote a certain agenda that, you know, I'm fully in agreement with, but there's definitely something like, there's a little something missing, you know, cause she's kind and she is good. And that is it. <laughs> oh, I disagree. I mean, in terms of my take on Emmanuel, and and I mean, obviously, like when I'm reading this book, it's very hard for me to separate the storyline from my own experience and what it touches on um, for me. But the way I see Emmanuel's character uh, is that she was raised in this very restrictive society where there's really only one way for her to be. And she's raised being being sort of told in various ways that she she probably can't ever be completely good because of how she looks and how she was born and things that are beyond her control. So she's like overcompensating and trying to be as good as she can. But we do see that like from a child she's had little rebellions and she kind of has inklings that she maybe doesn't want to be the person everybody else does. You know when Leah is getting married to the prophet and she's like well that's what everybody else would want why don't I want that I don't want that Mm. but she loves her family and she wants to you know be good to her family and and she has no idea of there being any society out of the small society that she's raised in so but she's meant for so much more do you know what I mean I do know what you mean and and I well maybe I know what you mean I think what I see in her character and what really resonated with me is somebody who does not fit in the society, um, but doesn't understand really that that's an option. She doesn't really understand that there's anywhere else for her to exist. And, like, she's just trying to get by. <laughs> um, but I do know, like, when, when she talks about her childhood with Leah, she talks about we weren't supposed to know how to swim. That's true. But she and I learned how to swim, and, you know, we weren't, there are a few little moments of, of that. Um, there's the fact that she loves books and she's not supposed to love books. That's that's actually, that, that's true. I'm going to retract a little bit of my sourness. Um, and I don't think it's actual sourness. I think it's just, I think it's just not, I think it's just, this is not my book. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it is, uh, it is quite good. I actually wanted to talk for a moment about the witches yes or wait should we make some scary sounds to go along as i say witches and maybe i'll pronounce the h first witches cool thank you for indulging me teffer anytime i love the descriptions of the witches (laughs) so hard yeah like like I was, I was imagining them. I think because there's, you know, 
Okay, so the author keeps like very much this creature aspect mm-hmm. of of the witches, which I love. Like I'm I'm not I'm not cool with the Roald Dahl kind of witches version. Like I, I want I want I want something that is half beast, half mm-hmm. human. Mm-hmm. Um, and those descriptions made me want to like draw things that could be tattooed and stuff. You know, like that's what I mean when I when I when she she creates a vibe in her book that's really really cool. Um, those witches were neat. I just, I wanted to go and like sit in like a corner of the dark forest and like eat popcorn and like try to spot them or like become friends with them or something. This book is so richly visual and I have clear, clear images of the witches in my head. But like you said, it's very illustrative. Like I have images of the witches in in my head, but they're, black and white and red and like drawings like it's it's so visually evocative i'm nodding my head vigorously yeah yeah and even later in the book like uh we'll get to this but like when we get to the cottage core lesbians like their cottage is also very illustrative in a different way like the ah (laughs) this woman knows how to write in a way that makes pictures in your mind (laughs) Um, absolutely and I think that's for me what filled in the gaps actually because I'm a very visual thinker Mm -hmm. um and so because it created all these images in my head I just I felt like I had a world Mm. um but the witches are fantastic and they're ugly yes they're it's not like this isn't like your beautiful sorceress from Beauty and the Beast. No, one of them is a swamp thing. Yeah, like, and like, I think I think there was something really cool about her being a swamp thing. Yeah, completely. And they're like they're like dead. They're like zombie mm-hmm. witches. They're ugly and scary and of the forest. Which is everything. Oh, I said I started my sentence with witch, and Whoa! I made myself giggle alone. Like, which um, is actually really neat and accurate when you think about it, right? Like, I mean, the witch figure has always been of you know a female identifying person who is very close to nature. Mm-hmm. So, what better way um, than to present that? And I also love the fact that when you think about 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 witchcraft about you know the fringes there's always this idea of putting things out into the the universe but you're getting it back as well Mm -hmm. so it doesn't make sense to have a beautiful witch it doesn't make sense like because if you are casting curses on people technically that stuff should be rebounding on you and therefore you can't look good doing it well, um yeah. yeah and that's why traditionally the idea of like the beautiful witch it's always the glamour it's that witches can cast a glamour that makes yes. them appealing but when you see the actual witch there's you know the crone or whatever and these manage to be horrifying without falling on ageist tropes so that's fun too yes that's a very good point actually i find that like the representation is pretty good like the 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 older the older characters are portrayed her grandparents like mm-hmm. her grandfather and his wives mm-hmm. um, because we are in a polygamist universe um, which is which is challenging mm-hmm. I find <laughs> yeah, I'm just so used to it from reading books where it happens I, I have eight grandmothers I'm oh, okay with yeah. it 
but it's more of a I want I want everyone to have that freedom. I don't yeah. just want the male characters or members of my family to have that freedom. Yeah. Oh, these this is this sounds like the beginnings of a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> what else is a podcast? Oh boy. Just kidding. I am not qualified <laughs> to do therapy. Yeah, it's it's a, a, an oppressive society where men have all the power and it looks very unflinchingly at that mm-hmm. but one thing that I really appreciate at the end like and I'm gonna try not to spoil the end but something I really left this book appreciating was that there weren't like from the beginning I was pretty sure it was gonna be like oh and the witches are misunderstood and they're good and the father and the cult is bad and if you just go to the woods and are a lesbian with witches, everything is good, which is more or less my my life goal. <laughs> I love it. So I was really looking for some like affirmation here, um, but it ends much more morally ambiguously, which is cool. Um, and I wasn't sure what to expect because I, I do, I mean, I think this is kind of a horror book. A little bit. I don't know much about horror. I don't. Hmm. I don't consume a lot of horror. Um, but it's definitely very dark, and it, so I wasn't yes. sure if it was gonna be like a happy vanquishing ending, or like a depressing everybody dies ending, or like <laughs> a the demon is now possessing the baby ending. I don't know. But like, it was not an expected ending. It did not mm. end the way I expected it to. Mm-hmm. But it ended in a way that I think made a lot of sense. I agree. Yeah, fully. And hopefully you'll be able to let us know very soon, dear audience, if you agree as well. Tevra, I want to, um, I want you to tell me about the lesbian cottage core les, the sorry, the cottage core lesbians in this book. Yeah, there again, I don't want to spoil too much, but there is mm-hmm. a lovely interlude in this book, in which we get a, an image of life kind of beyond the confines of Bethel. I just want to live there. There's a cottage and there's like a hot butch lesbian witch. Because like she's hot. And her partner and they have this little cottage. And it's like described so beautifully and they're always making food. (laughs) And they have kittens and curtains. (laughs) I can hold it in but not... (laughs) curtains look i don't have curtains on a few of my windows right now and it's a personal <laughs> sorrow to me <laughs> oh, God. and i'm i'm currently all right this is a little off topic i'm currently really fascinated and engaged in the like cottage core cabin core thing mm-hmm. because i think it's very beautiful but also as somebody who grew up in a rural hippie family, there's a lot of me that's just like, this is just, this is just how I grew up. This is how everybody's house was when I grew up. And what really got me was when I got to an article that was saying cabin core is the new cottage core because it's like <laughs> cottage core in the fall. And I just kind of lost my shit because I was just like, it's like, and you can wear flannel instead of lace. And I'm just like, no, this isn't a new core. This is the the changing of the season. 
I was gonna say, I was like, isn't that just like, you know? It's like it's not cabin core; it's just fall. We're just moving to a wonky place in the orbit around the sun. Oh my god, it's cool. But I do find it very. I'm very happy that we're kind of moving away from. In order to be stylish, you have to be completely minimalist and sleek. Because like, I can't afford that. I don't know. To like. You can just tape, for example, a bunch of color plates of birds of prey that you cut out of a book from the Salvation Army to your wall. and That's oddly specific. <laughs> that's maybe something I did this week. And that's okay, you know. And there's even, like, clutter core, which stresses me out a little bit, but is also kind of validating. Mm. Anyway. I read this. They're, they're, and, and also, like, cottagecore is very queer, and that is nice. Yeah, I was going to say, like, as someone who is probably living your cottagecore dream right now, um, it's pretty nice. Uh, Queers in the woods building fires. I mean, we do all right. There are cats. There's a lot of, like, herbal teas and, you know, organic wines being consumed out of mugs and mason jars. And... No one caring about how they look, and that is really sexy. And yeah. I'm not going to lie, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out because you said Queers in the Woods. I just feel like I need to tell our listeners that we have a sibling podcast on the Upford Network called Gaze in the Woods, which is run by my friend Emmett, who mm-hmm. actually lives in my hometown, which is where my like cottagecore youth is based. And we met on Twitter because I saw that they were marked as being from that small town. And I was like, hold up a second. That is a very small town. Do y'all know each other's families? Um, So they are a little bit older than me, but we have a mutual friend in common. And they, we like know a lot of the same people, but That's I don't cute. think our family is directly connected because like I was also being in a very small religious community at that point. Um, I would believe that we had like met each other as children or like played soccer together or something but I moved away when I was eight that's awesome yeah um yes please uh give Emmett a listen on gays in the woods and it's all about uh the rural queer experience because a lot of the time queerness is coded as urban and uh that's not the case no it is not or not exclusively the case um, okay, so I want to I want to bounce off of uh, the cottage core lesbians mm-hmm. in <laughs> in the year of the oh, year of the witching. I would also uh, like to bounce off some cottage core lesbians. <laughs> listen, <laughs> we can help you make that happen. Um, so uh, I want to talk about uh, a gripe I have with mm-hmm. this book, um, as you will note by the serious tone in my voice. This isn't really a gripe. This is just me being thirsty. (laughs) Okay. There was a lack of eroticism in this book that made me angry at times because there were so many places and opportunities for, like, a just a good, thirsty, like, mm, moment, you know? And especially when, like, the plague is, like, the plagues, plagues, many plagues, like, 
come on, folks. Like, if we're gonna if we're gonna play the angle of the puritanical society, I need five pages of like reading that I can keep in my spank bank. Like, this is a book that is targeted for youths. I just need just a little, just a little oomph. Like, because there were so many good opportunities. You can't have Lilith as a character yeah. in a book and not have there be, like, some ritual sacrifice post-mating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, that, it made me upset. I think I wanted to, like, I think I wanted to get into Emmanuel a, a bit more as a character, and I think that that also was part of it, because, like, she's described as being, like, rather beautiful yeah. and and I get it it's puritanical whatever but like she lives in this she, she's so goddamn repressed yeah. um <laughs> and you're just like come on if you're saving your village from a plague from plagues like with the like come on Come on, just a little like temptation, a little description of like uh, like a, an explosion of butterflies in the loins, or like just a little like mm, the wind blew while I was in the dark forest and it made like all like there's a, just a little like the line is so thin between the scary and the sexy, yeah. which is why Halloween is so popular with adults, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> we, we, we don't want to be scared. We just want to be sexy. And generally, we end up scared because not all of us look quite as sexy as we expect. Um, or the costumes are poorly made, and <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Um, this book was written in such an illustrative way. Yeah. I think that there was something sensory that was missing for me. Like, it didn't have to be outward sex, I think, but there is something about, you know, like, taking a journey into the unknown and into the forbidden unknown nonetheless, like, like even mm-hmm. more. Like, it just makes it an even bigger deal. Like, I, I just needed to, I needed to, to feel something. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is part of why I'm frustrated in parts obviously only with this book mm-hmm. yeah, <sighs> I, I get what you're saying there's like a nodding at sexiness at the beginning when Emmanuel mm-hmm. first encounters the witches in the wood but I agree that could have really been sunk into a little bit more there could have been a little more yearning and curiosity and exploration especially because there's like a relationship plot um, that doesn't really ever get sexy mm-hmm um, That's my particular gripe, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, I, I agree, actually. I think for a writer who is so good at writing thrillingly, uh, it does feel like a missed opportunity for another kind of thrill. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, like I feel like there could have been some... There was, like, m- more opportunity for self-exploration, more opportunity for queerness... Mm-hmm. Uh, more opportunity like especially because like she there's this like this subtext that she's a late bloomer and like there could have been a little more blooming oh my gosh the blooming <laughs> give me some blooming like we have all been 17 like something's happening and it's not because it, like I think that 
Ugh, and like this is where I try to over justify myself, and it's not that's not nice. It like the character could be asexual, mm-hmm. but, but then, she's not. But she's not. Like that has to be written in, you know. That can't. Yeah. But does it need to be shared? Do we need to know? And also, like, okay, actual moment of like reflection here, mm-hmm. um, not just me being 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 a ding dong. <laughs> um, there is a part of me that worries a little bit because because this is a a feminist YA horror witch-based book you know like I definitely like there is this fear that folks are going to read this and they're going to be like oh feminists right and (laughs) am I right am I right oh poor, poor pretty girl blah 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 but I think that because I realized the fema- the the feminist overtone overtones, yeah. Um, so early in the book, um, it just I kept being worried. I was like, if this is a feminist story, like feminists have sex, Fem- feminists smile, mm-hmm. um, you know, like like except for turfs because we don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so 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 there is this side of of it that was like I don't want people to think that feminist literature is 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 unsexy and is un like doesn't consider pleasure. Yeah. Right. I've yeah. been having conversations recently with people in my life. Like I'm trying to challenge myself to have conversations with people I don't agree with, mm-hmm. um, without denying my own existence and the existence of those that matter to me and all the people. Uh, <laughs> but you know, having people turn around and just be like, well, what is the feminist end goal? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, great. Feminist angle. No more capitalism. And then let's figure out something better. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are always like, mm-hmm, that doesn't work. You know, like what it, what what does your ideal society look like? And I'm like, I don't want I'd like I'm tired of, of it's like talking about uh, torture porn with like black literature. You know, Bailey and I had this conversation or I think it was with you uh, last year when we did uh, when we did the sad September Um, you know, like, I don't want feminist literature to be thought of as dry and only like kind of militant without giving the right to their characters to have pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I understand that I am not allowed to place all of my expectations on feminist (laughs) literature on one novel (laughs) that is the debut novel of an (laughs) author. I get it, yeah. uh, but I think it's just like I think I look at it in a in a grander scheme, and I'm like, this is actually a good book. I want to recommend it to some folks around me to have conversations like the one that we're having right now. And I want like, but I want them to also go like, hmm, feminists get off, and it's fun, and like, there's a place for men to have sex, and 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 in this feminist utopia, and what they're gonna have lots of orgasms too, and like, <laughs> no one cares about bits and bobs, and we're just like, oh, I actually like you as a person. We're having consensual like pleasure giving. Oh, this is cool. Or like, hey, I don't want to do this. Like I just I just need someone to look at feminists differently for once. There. That's that's is that too much to ask? I do think that is a very tall order for, as you said, <laughs> one author's debut novel. <laughs> but I understand. And I, I think especially um I I 
dabble in witchcraft as has been mentioned before and Mm -hmm. like pleasure is such a large part of witchcraft like pleasure and comfort and sexuality to whatever extent that means for each individual and like like sex magic has a really powerful history also Uh, And of course, I'm thinking about this because we just came off a full moon in Aries, which is like sex time. Yeah. When we're talking about witchcraft, I feel like you need more than just a passing reference to sex. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And that's something Eunice and I talked about last week with um, the Bone Witch. One of the things Mm -hmm. we really liked is that her drawing on her magic is pleasurable to her. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is maybe the one the one thing that it could be sexier. But hey, if you've read this book and you totally disagree, uh, let us know. Um, yeah, let us know if it's yeah. too tall of an order. Because I think I'm on the edge. Like, mm. I see. I see what you mean. I think that I would have really enjoyed more sexiness in the book. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I do think this book is very rich. Uh, sensorily and illustratively and I'm sure there are many many readers who are who would be fully satisfied with with the world and the experiences therein oh yeah totally yeah Uh, totally so all in all fun times I really liked this book I, I really really it's it is so far from what I usually read it's very different for me um yeah but it was just great. <laughs> I'm really glad that you had that reading yeah. experience. Um, I was a bit more lukewarm, but yeah. uh, still warm. Um, still, still, still enjoyed it. There was some good stuff in there, and uh, that's all she wrote for now. <laughs> <laughs> Witches. <laughs> Thanks for listening to you. <laughs> I don't think I can do a witch voice through the whole outro. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyappodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yappodcast, and individually, I'm at caddydevil underscore d. And I'm at tifferbear. I don't know how witches say ours. Are they all British? <laughs> if you like the show, well, why? And want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our wonderful patrons, Erica Stutchberry, Kat McGuire, Catherine Reshi, Chantal Thomas, Lizzie Tenhove, Matt Dever, Megan Jane, and Emily Patton. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify. Those links are all in our link in bio and Instagram if you're having trouble finding any of them. Mm. And by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who's into witches or gore. (laughs) Sure. Or maybe a friend who um, has some uh, theological knowledge. Um, I feel like uh, I want to I want to talk to Bailey about this book too. Yeah, 
Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tevra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Bye. Hey there, campers. My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of Gaze in the Woods, a podcast that explores rural LGBTQIA2 experiences, from radical fairies and lesbian farmers to backwoods slam poets and community organizers organizing communities the community didn't know where they were all along. Can you have a pride parade when you're the only gay in the village? What is camp when you live in a trailer? And if a genderqueer bear shares their pronouns in the forest and nobody gets it, is anything real? I don't know, but let's find out together on Gaze in the Woods, an Upford Network podcast. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing pinkle media, bleeding hearts guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts, Or visit us online at changingonthefly podcast.wordpress.com.